You're listening to Motherhood Unstressed, the podcast that talks all about the realities of being a mom in today's world, but also gives you practical takeaways for making the ride as fun and stress-free as possible. The way we live life is an art. I'm here to remind you of the power you already have to create a truly beautiful life. And if you like what you hear, if it resonates with you, please don't hesitate to leave a five-star review. This helps us get the message out to more and more women and help more and more moms. Thanks. Hannah Sylvia is a student, speaker, blogger, and advocate for wellness after eating disorders. Her harrowing experience with the disease transformed her into a powerful voice for spreading awareness and fostering compassion for this pervasive issue. By sharing her story and showing us practical ways that she was able to heal, she gives hope to so many who are dealing with an eating disorder or know someone who is. And let's face it, either we've dealt with this in our lives or we know someone who has. This is an incredibly important issue, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I am so excited for today's show. Um, You know, if you've listened to past episodes, you kind of see a trend here. I like to talk about things that people don't really like to talk about and that are considered sometimes, you know, taboo or maybe shameful. Um, But I think it's really important to give a voice to to these issues and and to to bring people who have dealt with these things um, to bring awareness. And I feel like once you bring awareness to any issue, um, you can usher in healing and, you know, communication and, and really have a conversation about important, relevant, real life uh, things. So that's why I'm so excited to have Hannah here today. Um, Hannah is a speaker, a blogger, and an advocate for wellness after eating disorders. So welcome, Hannah, to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. Um, Hannah, why don't we start, just uh, give us a little bit about your background. Okay. I am a student at Charleston Southern University. I'm a junior studying public health. I'm from a really small town north of Columbia, South Carolina. It's one of those really small stoplight towns. You blink and miss it on the interstate. Uh, My graduating class had 19 students. And I think coming from a small town shaped me into a relational person. I was so used to going somewhere and seeing so many people I knew. And being from a small rural community, I got to see firsthand different health disparities that existed out there. And I think that's what got my gears turning with public health and wanting to identify these risk factors and uh, disease prominence that I saw every single day in my life. Um, So that's where public health came on my radar, uh, just growing up and seeing that. Um, But my family also played quite a big role in in discovering my passions. My dad's in the military, and he came up to me one day and said, Hannah, I'm going to start running, and I would love for you to run with me. Mm -hmm. And I really understood the strong bond that comes from running with someone and training for races and how exercise and fitness can play such a big role in someone's life. I also saw how small changes can greatly impact someone's life too. My brother has lost right at a hundred pounds from dieting and exercising. It is. He's one of my biggest influences. Um, And so needless to say, all of these experiences uh, throughout high school 
got me interested in learning as much as I could about fitness and nutrition uh, and just wanting to pursue a career as a dietitian. But as I got older, I decided to pursue general public health and I knew that I could still have an emphasis in fitness and nutrition from that major. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Um, I also have been, as far as like talking about different areas of educational interest. I currently work at the Somerville Family YMCA. I'm a personal trainer there. And like I said, just talking about the aspects of fitness, I love seeing the community that comes from working in a gym and serving the members that we do um, get to serve in Somerville has also given me another um, idea of what it means to give back to the community and tell others about, Hey, this is what you can do to develop a healthy lifestyle. Um, so I love it. I love what I do. I could talk about public health all day. And I feel like you really have to be good with relationships. I mean, that's probably where your small town came in because you're dealing with people and trying to relate to them in in whichever way works, you know, for that particular person, because it is so individualized. Um, Mm -hmm. so that would definitely, that would definitely be a skill, you know, that you would have to either bring to the table or, or learn as you go. Definitely. I, I've had a lot of that come up in my life just from having awesome friends that have encouraged me and supported me, even when I do feel like I have shortcomings, um, Mm -hmm. just overcoming those failures and learning, Hey, I can relate to people and I can love people. And if there's not a whole lot more to life, I at least have that. (laughs) Wow. That's beautiful. Um, so to kind of, to get into the main topic of what we're going to talk about today, how did you become an advocate for wellness after eating disorders? Um, so for me, in order to talk about how I became an advocate, I guess it would be okay. Could I share a little bit of my personal story? Absolutely, please. Okay, awesome. Um, so as I mentioned with developing an interest in the health field, uh, just learning as much as I could, I think I can pin it back to letting this healthy mentality take over my life almost to a point of obsessiveness. I found myself caring too much about body image throughout high school. Um, Luckily, I was never bullied for the way that, that I looked because in everyone else's mind, I looked okay. But I think my distorted body image just came from obsessing over everything that I learned. Um, And it was a mix of so many factors that first sparked the development of an eating disorder. Um, I held myself to a very high academic standard and I cared too much about pleasing others. And so a combination of that and being scared of breaking under pressure um, almost led to the desire to want to control something in my life. And so I realized, hey, I can control what I eat. I can control how much I exercise. And I just took that idea and ran with it. Uh, So I started using every bit of knowledge that I learned about working out and about nutrition almost as a weapon against myself. Um, I cried the first time someone told me I was pear-shaped. I didn't understand what that meant and how I couldn't control my body composition, but I set out to try and do it. And like I said, I just, I don't know how it developed other than the fact I wanted to have control over something in my life. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was scared of vulnerability. I was scared of confiding in others. And that's what ultimately led to the development of my first eating disorder, anorexia. I 
It already added to the confusing time of high school where I was struggling, trying to figure out who I was, where I belonged. And I ended up losing about 30 pounds in two months. And coming from someone who was already somewhat of a decent, healthy weight, and I'm hardly five feet tall, it just, there was not 30 healthy pounds that I could lose. Um, And it all goes back to me thinking that I was overweight because scales um, were a factor and then BMI, even though that I didn't understand how BMI isn't the most proficient means of measuring um, healthy weight. Um, So I struggled behind the scenes. I don't think people realized how much it affected me, Um, but it started with excessive running. I started running in middle school almost as a way to replace self-harm that um, I was struggling with. And that's another complicated and really hard to talk about topic. But I have to mention that because it is what started um, my love for running. So there was a shift in ninth and 10th grade where I used what had replaced self-harm almost as a form of self-harm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supplementing right. I became a vegetarian and I knew what I should have. I knew what I should be doing, but I just stopped um, altogether. And so talking about the recovery process, um, just understanding my story, I don't think I really understood what it looked like to recover until my senior year of high school. Um, And so I came across this quote. It's short. It's simple. It's by John Green um, from The Fault in Our Stars. And it says, that's the thing about pain. It demands to be felt. And Mm -hmm. I think I became obsessed with the idea of pain. I didn't mind being hungry or uh, almost passing out from not fueling myself before my runs. I would rather have that pain than numbness that I had. Um, and so because of that, it just led down a very dark path and it was a time of confusion and feeling like I wasn't accepted. Um, so I say all of that to say that pursuing a desire to learn more about wellness after eating disorders, um, I feel like you see a lot of the focus on prevention or treatment for this disorder. Um, and it's not that recovery or prevention of relapse falls by the wayside. Uh, It's something that is gaining momentum and I'm excited to see public health stand behind that. Um, But because it is a dark place, I can stand on the other side of and say that it's possible um, to be who I am and be where I am today because of how I've learned more focusing on holistic wellness after eating disorders um, and the idea of self-care. That's amazing. Like, you know, what you just said, I feel like is so powerful. Like anyone listening to this could hear that and just completely relate and then say, okay, well, she did what she had to do to get better. And she's here and she's actually taking her pain and what she learned from her pain and helping others. Like that is, I love people who do that. I'm so attracted to people who do that. (laughs) I mean, I'm just, I'm completely on that level. Um, You know, similarly, you know, when I was in high school or shortly after, Um, you know, I definitely experienced, you know, bouts with bulimia and anorexia, and it kind of would shift and change, you know, depending on what was going on. So, you know, this is a topic that's, you know, that's close to my heart as well, because, you know, I definitely dealt with this. And I think almost, you know, every single one of my friends had dealt with this at some point. I mean, it's just so incredibly pervasive, you know, for young women, you know, trying to figure themselves out and trying to 
balance demands and expectations. And then, you know, it's, it's incredibly difficult, I feel like, to be a young woman today. And not just women. I mean, I've known men as well who are anorexic and, you know, dealing with this too. And the pressure is immense. So to talk about it and to say, you know, it's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. And we are aware of the situation now. And there's things you could do to heal yourself and you're going to get better. You know, it's, it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm so thrilled that you're here. Um, so what were some of the ways that you were able to heal yourself? Um, it was a very long drawn out process. It did not happen overnight. And there were periods of relapses into other eating disorders. First it was anorexia. And then I understood what it was like to, um, develop bulimia and then even binge eating. Like it was just a combination of all of those things. And they're all so interwoven, um, and almost like a cycle almost, um, like you're so much more susceptible to developing another eating disorder as a result of complications or experiences from a previous one. Um, but for me, what really helped me was, uh, this singer, Jimmy Needham, he's one of my favorite artists. He put out a blog one day with a link to a website. And I don't think the website exists anymore. It's really sad, but it was this program called setting captives free. And there was this online resource that led you through a program. I think it was six weeks, six to eight weeks. And so you were connected with a mentor. Um, there were so many different areas, whether it was anxiety and depression, alcoholism. Um, and then there was a whole Uh, section for eating disorders. And so what they would do is connect you with someone who had completed the program. Um, and you would, they would get email responses of your answers to these questions throughout the week and follow up with you and offer prayer and support and guidance. And so for me, that was easy for me to do because it was hard to open up with people personally about it. Um, but I think becoming honest and open with someone I didn't know, um, helped me become more comfortable with opening up to people I did know. Um, so talking about the healing process, my best friend also struggled with a lot of the same things that I did. And she's been one of the biggest role models in my life. Um, and I think seeing that my role model could fall just as much as I did helped me confide in her because I understood that we're both not perfect. Um, so just having a strong sense of community, helped me a lot, um, in finding something to replace the obsessive tendencies that I did have, whether it was just compulsive exercising, um, just learning to stay away from that and manage myself. Um, and then telling my parents, like my parents noticed how much weight I'd lost. They almost made me stop eating or like start eating meat again, um, or find healthier ways to supplement, um, because they did see how it was unhealthy for me. Um, and I think just, understanding that I was tired of feeling the way that I was. I, my menstrual cycle stopped, um, or they were only like every three months. It was something crazy. My immune system was horrible. So I was sick all of the time and my hair started falling out and becoming more thin. So I think recognizing that this was hurting me, um, there was no good thing that came out of this disorder, um, started the healing process because of, just wanting to take control of my life. Like at the end of the day, I knew what it meant to be healthy. And I knew that I was not healthy. And I just wanted to start that journey back to where I belonged. Um, and just also understanding that it's as much of a mental disorder, um, Mm -hmm. as much as a physical one, um, and how it's so closely tied 
um, and it's a form of an anxiety disorder. Um, and so I think understanding that there were so many underlying issues also helped with the healing process. Um, and just understanding that I had to get past the opinions of others and escape the mundane. Um, another quote that I've kind of carried with me helped me identify, um, ways to heal and just understanding that there's so much more to life, um, than all of this that I've been going through. Um, and it's a quote by Shauna Nequest. Um, and it says, I want a life that sizzles and pops and makes me laugh out loud. And I don't want to get to the end or to tomorrow even and realize that my life is a collection of meetings and pop cans and errands and receipts and dirty dishes. I want my everyday to make God belly laugh, glad that he gave life to someone who loves the gift. Um, so I think that was a big thing for me was just understanding that this life is something that I have been given. I don't deserve it, but almost like taking these measures and hurting myself, um, was almost a slap in the face of God. Like he's the one who gave me this life. And I just felt like I was rejecting it and not appreciating it. Like I should. Wow. Well, and you absolutely do deserve this life. Don't say that. <laughs> wow. So what would be your advice for anyone who currently is struggling with an eating disorder? What would you um, think? let's see. So I think a big thing that sounds kind of countercultural, bear with me, is the idea that it's okay to be selfish. Um, I've done a lot of research on self-care and understanding what it looks like to practice mindfulness um, and how it's so important today, especially for people uh, recovering from eating disorders, is that you have to take care of yourself and love yourself so that you can better love others. Um, and until you get to that point where you understand what it's like to love yourself, you can't love others to the fullest capacity. Um, and so I think another thing is just finding encouragement and doing what you love. Um, like I said, just dealing with eating disorders is such an obsessive tendency you get addicted to it by whether it's you're counting calories and making sure that you're burning off more calories than you eat um, to a point of obsessiveness, to a point where you don't need to do that. Um, and for me, it just meant replacing something. Um, and for me, it was spoken word poetry. Um, if I couldn't write what I felt, I found someone else who said it. Um, and so I have another quote because <laughs> I love quotes. <laughs> yeah, it just it speaks to me so much. Um, but Shane Coyzen is one of my favorite spoken word artists. Um, and in his piece, uh, he calls it instructions for a bad day. And it's beautiful. Look it up. Everything he says is such a great reminder um, of what we go through and how there's so much more out there than our pain and our circumstances. Um, but at one point he writes, Remember the times you could have pressed quit, but you hit continue. Be forgiving. Living with the burden of anger is not living. Giving your focus to wrath will leave your entire self absent of what you need. Love and hate are beasts, and the one that grows is the one you feed. Be persistent. Be the weed growing through the cracks in the cement. Beautiful. Because it doesn't know it's not supposed to grow there. So that quote spoke to me so much in the recovery process um, and just understanding what that looks like and allowing honesty and openness um, to trickle into the unreached parts of your heart. Uh, you have to be honest with yourself and understand what this whole process looks like and it's going to break you, but you'll come out on the other side like, through these failures um, 
being more vulnerable with yourself. Um, that's the biggest thing and understanding what you do with those mistakes, uh, is what determines how you move forward. That's amazing. I think if, you know, if, if we could sum up this whole, you know, the mission of this particular episode, I mean, that would be it right there, you know, self-care, loving yourself, being vulnerable and honest and open with yourself first. Once you do that, you, you really do break open your heart and you're able to share that with everyone else from a place of health and happiness, like authentic happiness. Like I'm really big on that as well. Like, you know, not the shiny veneer that we show everyone on Facebook and Instagram, but like true, you know, pure love, you know, for yourself and then for everyone that you interact with. Like you can, you can feel it. You walk into a room with someone who exhibits that and you can absolutely feel that. Um, so, and it's, and, you know, it's not easy. It's all, it's, I have to work on it every single day, being gentle with myself, mm-hmm. you know, taking time for myself and not feeling guilty about it, um, especially as a mom, but just, you know, as, as a person, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like in this culture, it is so, you know, we're, it's good to, to give, of course, but you can't give if you don't have anything for yourself. I mean, right, it's like right. you've got nothing left in your well and people are making soup. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, so that's, that's really beautiful. I really like that quote. And I think, you know, it's something I'll really carry with me. after mm-hmm. this. Um, so we've talked about people with eating disorders. What about the folks that don't have an eating disorder that might not get it that might be like oh you're just a weak person you know you know pick yourself up get to get it together what would you have to say to them what do they need to understand about someone they know that that's dealing with this mm-hmm. um a lot of the times whenever you want to talk to someone you always want to say i can relate to you i understand what you're going through but honestly you're not going to understand what they're going through unless you've been there yourself um i took a counseling class last semester because it's part of my minor um and so we talked about it from a counselor's point of view of what you should say and what you shouldn't say um, for so many different disorders or illnesses that people are dealing with. Um, So I think it's very important, first of all, to understand what you should say. Um, And you shouldn't say, I can relate to you because you can't. Um, But even something as simple as finding what to say, um, just saying that you're there for them and that you will help them and stand beside them every step of the way. Um, But first off, you should do your research. If you know someone who is struggling with an eating disorder, that can be one of your most powerful tools. Um, understand what the illness is. Like I said earlier, it's so much more than a physical illness. It's definitely mental. Um, it stems from there and there are physical symptoms, but the underlying issue is something um, in their brains. And so I think it's helpful to uh, know what triggers the individual as well. If you live with the person and if they're so typical and like prone to binge eating sweets or something, maybe don't have them on every corner of the house, just making sure that you take the measures necessary to help that person. Um, but also still helping yourself. You can't give up your life to help someone else. Um, that goes back to the whole self-care thing. Um, so the biggest thing is just be supportive and encouraging, um, avoid giving ultimatums to them saying, if you don't change your life, this is going to happen. Or if you don't get help, then we're going to punish you. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of this um, podcast are moms. And so like, if your child is struggling with that, it's going to be one of the hardest things that they're probably going to go through. Um, just because 
it's like society is so pervasive into our minds. Um, so just understanding what that looks like and they may be resistant to help. Uh, and it can be a very long, slow process for me. I struggled to open up to my parents all through high school. I pushed them away. Um, I was very bitter towards them, but since coming to college, they're some of the biggest people that I have in my life. I call them every single day and I'm always like, I'm sorry. I call you so much. But that was the biggest thing for me is um, coming from someone who did struggle that having people just be willing to listen. Um, And as someone who hasn't had an eating disorder, helping others out, uh, know that there are options out there for them, whether it's nutritional counseling and therapy and the fact that that can be scary and overwhelming. So you can't force that on someone. You can definitely encourage them. And when they if they do start that process, just understanding like they might not want to talk about it, um, but they do have someone in their lives who are professionally trained to talk about that. Um, and I think the last thing would just be um, to be aware of the statistics and the numbers um, and how these people are not just a number. Um, there are so many statistics out there that are shocking to me. Um, I read the other day that every 62 minutes, at least one person dies from a direct result related to an eating disorder. Um, and so it's almost, if you have this knowledge and you're prepared to talk to people about it, it's, it puts things in perspective for you because you understand how big of an issue this is, how it's not just the person in your life that, you know, but there are so many people out there who are struggling with this. Oh, absolutely. And that's really why I wanted to have you on the show, because I know just from my own life experience, um, and talking to people that it is, I mean, everybody listening has either dealt with an eating disorder or know someone who has one, I guarantee you. So I think that's so empowering to what you just said, to, to arm yourself really with the knowledge of, you know, how big of an issue this is, what to say, what not to say. I mean, that's incredible. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't really know that. I mean, I, I would talk to some, you're right. Like the, the instinct is to be like, Oh, I know exactly what you're feeling. I'm so sorry. Like, and, and to be on that level, but you're right. You can't really do that if you haven't gone through that. And I think it almost minimizes the other person's feelings when you say something like that, because you know, they're thinking, you know, you don't know what I'm feeling. You, you don't, you have no clue about my life, you know? And so I, I'm definitely going to change the way I talk to people after this. Um, and it's almost like I didn't even realize that I was doing that. So that's amazing. And again, it just comes back to bringing in that awareness. And once you bring in the awareness, there's no going back. You can't ever go back to being ignorant about something. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Um, so what would you say, what are some ways that people um, can stay on track? And if they're trying to heal, they're trying to get better, they're maybe going to counseling. What are some ways that they can really stay on track and avoid falling back? Because we all know, you know, it's it's really hard to mm-hmm. stick with this and you want to fall into those old, you know, comforting tendencies and habits. Um, mm-hmm. I remember it took me, you know, a couple years really to stop being bulimic, you know, because mm-hmm. it was almost like something emotional would happen in my life. And then I would just go back to binging and purging and it would feel good. You mm-hmm. know, it would feel like I was in control again. And I had this like comforting mechanism that I would use. Right. So how do people avoid that? 
Um, so there are so many online resources that have been helpful for me. Uh, one of them is the National Eating Disorders Association. Their website has so many resources out there. It's, uh, there's a community and a blog that you can always look at. And they want to hear your story too. So if you have struggled with an eating disorder, uh, send in your story and be encouraged by the fact other people are going to read that and be influenced by that. Um, the Eating Disorder Institute's also another good resource for that. Um, so as far as just avoiding falling back into these tendencies, uh, you just, you have to understand that it's not just about diet change and that's only going to be a temporary fix. It's almost like putting a bandaid on a wound that needs stitches and the bandaid is going to come off and it's going to be right back where you started. Um, but you have to get honest with yourself. You have to bring the darker underlying issues to light to, um, avoid, relapse as much as possible. Um, so dealing with the things that trigger it, whether it's your anxiety or the need to be in control of something. Um, and most researchers, they identify that the healing process goes well beyond psychological and behavioral factors. Um, behavior change is part of it. Changing your diet is part of it. But I think a big part is the psychological aspect of increasing self-efficacy um, and resiliency and just understanding what it means to develop your personality strengths and learn to love yourself. Um, and also understanding what it's like to be self-aware, feeling connected with yourself as well. Um, and so there are so many things out there that's like, when am I fully recovered from an eating disorder? Um, I know they say bulimia, um, recovery is uh, about not purging for six months but I don't think you can put a time frame on the healing process. Um, so it's just to avoid relapse, just don't force yourself to think, okay, I have to go this amount of time. I have to, like, if I have one day where I don't feel like eating anything, then that means that I'm falling back into these tendencies, just being aware of things that trigger these emotions. Um, and notice that if there are any increases in stress and stress and anxiety, um, and how you cope with it. But, um, like I said before, just having a community, having accountability, uh, take advantage of all of those resources out there, whether it's your friends and family, um, and just educate yourself, um, be aware of the variables that can influence relapse, um, like an elevated drive for thinness, or, um, like for me, just a disturbance and like an obsession with my body image. Um, or maybe like you said, wanting to have control over something, um, just understand what it looks like for you and how all of this research out there is not individualized. So it's different for everyone. Um, and just be aware of what measures you can take to confide in others, to, um, stay up to date on resources out there and be part of the movement. If you have a story, um, like I said, others are going to want to hear about it. And uh, by you sharing that story, it's almost developing a platform of accountability for yourself. Um, and yes, you can fail. Um, that's definitely going to happen to some people, uh, but it's just not beating yourself up over these failures. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, again, that goes back to just you know, treating yourself like a little child almost, you know, caring for that person inside and being like, you know, I'm not perfect, but we're going to get through this together. And I love you. And I'm going to take care of you, you know, because mm -hmm. that's what you deserve. Um, and I feel like that's when I really started to be successful with my healing. Like I was doing a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga, and that was starting to bring out all this awareness that I think I had been 
um, essentially suffocating, you know, for Mm -hmm. years and years. And, you know, I was very academically driven too. you know, an athlete, like very control focused. And then I started to kind of let go a little bit of the, you know, white knuckling clenching of my life. And it was just like, oh, (laughs) it's okay. Like, I'm here, like, I'm here for you. And like, it was almost like I gave that inner child inside a chance to really tell me what she needed, you know, which was just to be loved. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really, yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. Absolutely. Um, So what would you say is the biggest takeaway you have um, for people, you know, who want to understand more about wellness after eating disorders? You know, every, we've talked about so many things in this interview. What's the biggest thing you want people to leave with? Um, I think it just goes back to the whole idea of self-care being in public health. We, there's such a big push in our field for prevention. We always talk about how we try to make doctors jobs easier because we, if we can help people, um, control their lifestyles and develop these measures, it'll keep them out of the hospitals and Mm -hmm. doctor's offices. Um, so when it comes to self-care, it's understanding that I think, Dr. Thomas said this in her podcast with you about how it's not just putting cucumbers over the eyes and um, practicing meditation. It's what's individual uh, for you, whether it is meditation or uh, taking time to yourself. When I was in counseling last semester, the biggest thing for me was taking time to myself. I'm such a relational person. I'm definitely an extrovert. And I got to a point where I was terrified to be by myself. And so my counselor helped me understand taking that time to yourself is one of the biggest things that you can do. And so from that experience, I had a phrase that stuck with me since last semester. And it's the idea of beauty and the breaking. Um, So I heard an analogy once that compares our hearts to a clay vase. If I were to take a candle and place it in the vase, the light would shine out through the top and it seems efficient enough, right? Uh, But if I took a hammer and crushed the vase and the pieces were shattered all over the floor and they were just left there, the vase would serve no purpose. But if I somehow magically pieced these pieces of the vase back together and put the candle back in, the light would shine through the cracks. And so through that experience of self-care, I learned that there is beauty in the breaking and that by allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and broken, we can allow beauty to shine out through the broken parts of us. Um, And understanding that everyone is in that together. Um, And that just goes back to eating disorders and how because of this experience, I have the ability to share my story with others. And even though that was a very painful journey and process, um, if I can go through that and be able to share my experience with just one other person and they could be encouraged by it, then I know that all of that suffering was for something good. Um, and that's just, that's the biggest takeaway is just that idea of self-care, that idea of beauty and the breaking, um, and becoming self-aware because of that. Wow. That's so beautiful. I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, everyone goes through tough times in their lives. They lose, they lose parents or, you know, you know, just who knows homelessness or, you know, drug addiction or whatever it is. Um, and, and some people don't always use that for good. And so the fact that you have done that and you've shared your story, I think it says a lot about you and it says a lot about, you know, the things that you have gone through really have, I feel like, fortified you and made you such a strong voice for this insanely important issue. Um, And yeah, I think that's a huge lesson 
to take away is, you know, life is going to beat you down. I mean, it's, it happens. It's, it's the nature of life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to, to understand that and to be okay with that and sit with the darkness Mm -hmm. and, and be like, you know, this is just the storm right now. And then to be able to then open up to others and say, you know, this is my story. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. I've got issues, you know, I've dealt with things, but I'm going to use that to lift you up and, and to just, you know, just, just be vulnerable. And I think for me, especially like that, what you said really speaks to me because that's a huge issue for me is to really be vulnerable. Like I'm all about helping others and, you know, encouraging others, but then to really open up myself and, and let people see the weaknesses. That's, that's been, that's been tough, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to keep that going. And you're so inspirational. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. And I know it's not just for me, anyone listening um, can, can feel that. Thank you. Um, and so my last question that I ask all of my guests, and it can be about what we've talked about, or it can be about just life in general, um, is what's something that you've learned in life that you wish you would have learned earlier? Oh, man. <laughs> I could go back and tell my high school self so many things. I uh, think one of the biggest things uh, would be that in order to understand the recovery process, you have to understand the battle Um, So we talk about how there's such a push for wellness after eating disorders, but in order to understand that you have to feel the experiences of the battle and how coming out on the other side can influence so many different things um, in that regards. And then just like you said, just learning how to be vulnerable and that vulnerability is okay. I wish I hadn't put my guard up throughout high school and that I had opened up to someone sooner because I didn't understand the whole process until almost two years after I started battling with these eating disorders. Um, and so now that I know what I know, I feel less susceptible to fall back into it, but there still are days where I am tempted. Um, I do look at my body and I don't feel comfortable with myself. Um, but I just, I really wish I had known, um, what it meant to understand the battle and that going through that battle, I should have been more vulnerable. Mm. But it's almost like one of those things you kind of have to go through in order to learn it, you know, no one can really, right. hear you, but, um, but maybe, you know, maybe someone listening, they'll hear that and they will avoid, you know, mm-hmm. having to do that themselves. So right. Um, so if people have questions or they would like you to speak at their event or, you know, something like that, cause I know you've had several speaking gigs on this huge topic because it is so pervasive and important. Mm-hmm. Um, how can they get into contact with you? Um, I am on Facebook. They, can find me on there or by email. I can share my email. Um, do you me just say it or spell yeah, it out? Yeah, you can say it and then I'll have it in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, it's H-E-S-I-L-V-I-A at C-S-U student.net. Um, so just send me an email. I love talking to people and hearing other people's stories. Um, so if you've had a similar experience or you know someone who is struggling with this, please do not hesitate to contact me. I would love to talk to you. Wow. Well, you are such a light. Thank you so Thank much you. for putting your story out there, for, for agreeing to speak about this. I mean, that's really special. So I really say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity.